What's up, heroes? I'm the House Ninja, superhero DJ and music producer, and also the host of the Producer Life podcast. This is episode 107, and in this special series that we're running right now on the podcast, I am interviewing the 16 contestants from Base Battleground, this epic online competition hosted by Emerald Summers Presents, where the DJs go head-to-head to battle it out for fame and glory, and your votes determine the winner and who goes on to the next bracket. This next competition is going to be Sunday, September 18th at 2 p.m. Eastern. That's this coming Sunday. And uh, we've, I've got the next two contestants with me. The first one is Dirty Lux, an Atlanta-based dubstep DJ and music producer. So welcome, Dirty Lux. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. Uh, I'm really excited about this tournament. I'm excited about how the tournament's going and this podcast. I hope I can contribute in a good way. <laughs> Oh, it's it's going to be a great conversation. We got a lot to talk about. Um, let's let's start with the the branding. All right, I, I Dirty Lux. Where did that uh, Where did that come from? And where did you get your start as a DJ? So, Dirty Lux came from a, a gloving crew I used to be a part of because I'm also a flow artist. Uh, I glove. I spend boy. Uh, but when I was a part of this crew, we were called Dirty Clue, Dirty Crew, and I went by the name Lucian the Rage Squid. But that's a lot to type out. So <laughs> so my buddy, we're all just sitting okay. there hanging out one day. He's like, I got it. Dirty Lux. And I was like, that's kind of catchy. Let's see what happens. And that's what I've been running with yeah, for like the last two years now. And then when I started DJing, I was thinking, what could I use as a DJ name? Wait, Dirty Lux is already known. So just add it on there. Okay, fantastic. Now, now, originally you were kind of you had this squid kind of thing going, and now you've got a a sloth mascot. Where did the sloth come? So, in? I've always been like a fan of sloths, and because sloths are the most nonchalant creatures you'll ever see. It's like I'm here, you're here. I'm gonna keep doing my thing, and they don't rush anything. And I've always like felt kind of like heart to heart as far as that, because I don't try to rush things. I take my time with almost everything I do because if I rush it, it's going to mess up. But if I take it time, go smooth with it, it's fairly easy and everything ends up working out some way in the end. And then Zootopia helped that out with the sloth jokes. So <laughs> ran with yep. sloth. And yep. I, I, was just, I was just trying to remember the name of that. <laughs> Where he's sitting there at the, what was it, the DMV <laughs> yeah, line? And he's like, that scene every time gets me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to uh, uh, link that in the show notes page. Oh, yes. Hey, Dirty Lux, I'm hearing myself. Do you have some headphones? Uh, I do not have headphones. So. I'll, I'll edit this part out. But could you keep... uh, shoot. All right. Um, can you turn your volume down yeah. a little bit on your end? I just don't want to get a bunch of echo. And then um, the other thing is if you could turn your gain down on your mic a little bit, you're clipping a bit. Just a little bit. All right. Say something again. Hello. How is this working out? Hopefully a little bit better. Yeah, that's that's better. Okay. All right. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, okay. So we'll. I'm, I'm going to pick up kind of with the uh, branding. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so you've got you've got Dirty Luck's the name. You've got your sloth mascot because you take your time and you're chill. Uh, and and then you've also got this sort of tagline that you've been running with Lord Yeeter. Um, and I guess I first got to ask, Yeet is kind of a generic expression. There's like a lot of different ways people interpret that. What is what does Lord Yeeter mean, and what does Yeeting mean to you? So, <laughs> so Lord Yeeter. Uh, I've always been a fan of the term yeet because it's a word that means like almost nothing, but it's just like throw something, rage out and just hype. And then when I think of like dubstep and the music I play and create, it's more so the heavier like rage mosh pit type music. So you think, oh, I'm gonna jump in this mosh pit and I might get yeeted. So Lord Yeeter, I'm here to yeet speakers. I'm here to blast music through here, have everyone hype jumping around. Send it. <laughs> All so, right. Okay. All right. Send absolutely. Lord Yeeter. Very, very SEO friendly too. So that's, that's great. Um, so tell me about your music. You, you do dubstep, you do ragey stuff. How did you get into that in the first place? And, and now uh, you have like 30 tracks on SoundCloud. I would, I would love to hear a little bit about your, your production process. Uh, so I've always produced music. But I started out in the R&B genre, in the hip hop genre, and I did it in high school. I was a ghost producer for a lot of friends. And as time went on, I started slowly getting reintroduced to EDM. Like, of course, like listening to Skrillex, listening to Flux Pavilion. Uh, that's how everything started out. But as time like grew, I ended up listening to different types of EDM. That's where I started coming across artists like Excision, Subtronics. Kai watching and it gave me a completely different feel because I I started feeling like this is my type of music. Like I've always liked EDM as a genre and I felt like house was a little too soft for me. So running into like rhythm, tear out, dub, uh, dubstep, death step even, I was like, okay, this feels home. Let me see what I can do. And then I jumped into FL and it felt like riding a bike again. And it's like, of course, there were a few newer things added. So I'm like, oh, God, what to do? But once I got in the groove, it was like, OK, cool. Let me stack this sample, chop this up, stretch this. Oh, it makes a different sound. And with a lot of tear out sounds, it's stretching the snare. I found that out. And I was like, oh, that works. But that works. Definitely. Did you have some particular uh, YouTube channels that you recommend, or you're basically self-taught with uh, FL Studio? Is that right? Uh, with FL, it was just me diving in and seeing what I could make and running with it. I do have a few people that have helped me along the road, like um, Good versus Evil. He's based out in Knoxville. He's been like my mentor throughout my musical journey. He made my first logo, constantly giving me feedback on new songs that I'm working on. Speaking of which, there's a Part two to Sloth's Revenge that is on SoundCloud that'll be coming out really soon. There's some production side I need to work on because now I'm at that part where I'm learning mixing and mastering. So now I want it to come out as clean as possible. But uh, definitely got a lot of insight from Do you good mostly with the stock plugins that are in. Uh, no, I go through Ghost Hack. Sorry, we got a little delay there. Did I go through Ghost Hack? 
what is Ghost Hack? Uh, Ghost Hack, they're a group. They have a bunch of sample packs that they send out. It's a lot of dubstep, rhythm type sample packs. So where you can go in and then you can get kind of a feel of what you want something to sound like. It gives you like something to like base off of, so to speak, to where, okay, I want to create this rhythm, but I don't know how to. So you'll look at some of the samples they have and it kind of like gives you that template you want. They have, and it kind of like gives you that template. Okay. Um, and then are you, do you rely mostly on what's already built into FL Studio or do you have some go-to plugins and synths that you use that are, are third party? Uh, I mainly use a lot of the FL plugins. Uh, Serum is love and happiness in every bit of form, <laughs> but mostly the plugins that are used within FL. I do want to dabble into Ableton at some point in time though. Okay. Dabble in the Ableton at some point in time, though. What well, if if you're uh, happy and you commented that FL Studio feels like you know riding a bike and you just kind of fell back into it? Why? What attracts you to Ableton if you're doing well with FL Studio? It's more so learning the new DAW itself because I've heard a lot of good things about Ableton. I haven't heard many bad things, and I've heard you can dive a lot more into a sample with Ableton. And I'm one of those people to where I got to see it to believe it because you can do a lot of stuff on FL as far as diving into the sample. So I'm like, what else can Ableton bring that FL doesn't bring? So it's for like more so like my knowledge base. And it always helps to know another dog because it might be able to do something that FL can't do. And it always helps to know because it might be able to do something that FL can't do. Okay. And you, you haven't... All of your tracks so far, they've just been released on SoundCloud. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, I do have one song that is on all platforms. It's called Circus 10. I, but I think I saw a post on Facebook. Uh, it was released through Antifil Records. It's called Circus 10. <laughs> the song is Childhood Trauma Wrapped Into a Song. But um, I do plan on branching out and releasing more songs throughout other platforms. Okay. Releasing more songs throughout other platforms. Okay. So, were you? I saw a post about um, songs coming out on platforms in October. You did you shop labels or are you self-releasing through like DistroKid or? So, what we, are you what are you doing in terms of distributing your music in October? I'll be self-releasing through uh, DistroKid, and I will be sending some songs to some labels. I will be working on sending another song to Antifil, because, uh, of course, they help me. And I might send one to Brainsick Records, just to see how it's going to be this time around, because I've heard, like, management has changed a lot with Brainsick due to, like, previous management. I've heard, like, management. And that's just like something that happened. It wasn't too serious, but musically it affected me because it was early in my career. But musically it affected me because it was early in my career. Okay. Um, before the show, I was I was kind of reviewing, taking a look at all your different social media, stalking you a little bit online, and um, you you've got this really engaging manner on TikTok. You. Uh, I don't know. You seem to have that platform kind of nailed. You've got like 32,000 likes. I, I don't think you've been doing it that long. Um, 
tell me a little bit about your your TikTok strategy and and uh, how that ties into your brand and any advice you have for people that are still kind of musicians that are still kind of struggling to get started on that platform. So TikTok for me is one big old manic episode. Really, I get like a boost of energy one day, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna look on TikTok and see what funny stuff is like happening. And I, my advice to anybody trying to build their TikTok, post that content, post that video. Don't even think about it. Don't be like, no, nobody's going to like it. Just post the video. Like I even posted a video recently where I was like, this might get like 300 views. And I look at it this morning and it had 1200 views. And I was like, what in the world is this? (laughs) So my advice is post, post, post. (laughs) (laughs) My advice is post. Okay. Do you, do you, uh, I know that TikTok does a lot of different challenges. Do you like to jump in on those or do you just try to post whatever comes to your mind or do you worry about staying on brand or what? I mean, is, is there a whole lot of thought process behind it or just, Hey, I got a lot of energy. I'm going to make a video. So for me, I'm also one of those people that don't like seeing people sad. So my TikTok is more so of like a serotonin boost for the day. It's like, I'm having a bad day. I'm scrolling through TikTok. And then you see one of my videos of me just acting goofy, messing around with my dog, uh, doing a react and just bringing up something funny and trying to get that laugh out of you or even get you to crack a smile. So that way your day has gotten better in some way. It's not going to be a completely crappy day. So my main thought process, I'd say, for TikTok is... Is this going to, is somebody going to laugh at this before I like make that final decision? Before I like make that final decision. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, people are on the platform to be entertained. So if you're going to make people laugh, that's going to keep people coming back to your content. So, um, talk to me about, obviously we've got the base battleground competition coming up this Sunday. Um, talk to me about, uh, other plans before we get into base battleground, talk to me about other plans you've got for the next six months to a year. Where, where are you taking the dirty Lux brand? So next six months, well, really next three months, cause we're getting close to the end of the year. Uh, I'll still be pushing, trying to go for shows, try and get Augustus dubstep community up because I've been seeing with the EDM community, they've been asking for dubstep. And they've been looking in, dare I say it, all the wrong places. But um, I'm finally trying to bring that community up. Uh, me and my buddy DJ Stiltz, we have been throwing shows once a month, every month. We're trying to build that crowd up. I'm trying to do more shows at different venues to catch the eye a little bit more to the crowd we're appeasing. And uh, in December, however, I will be taking a hiatus. I will be backing away from the DJ scene and the music scene because due date, I will be having a kid Christmas Eve. I'm excited about it. So up until about next year. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I'm excited for my little boy to come into the world. Uh, But I will be taking a six month hiatus after December. But up till then, it will be trying to crank out shows like I've been doing all year, trying to make sure this brand at least somewhat sticks. 
Like when I want people to think of the Dirty Lux brand, I don't want them to think of it as okay. like, oh, that's that dubstep DJ. I want them to think of that, think of it as, oh, that's that, that's that funny DJ that plays dubstep. Because more people are going to try to see the funny guy rather than, oh, let's go throw shit. Like, like, are you with with your with your son being due in December? Do you have you given thought to what degree you're going to share his life on social media? Or is he going to be a part of your brand is, is being dad dirty luck going to be a thing? Or is it are you going to kind of keep your personal life and your DJ life separate? So Papa Lux is going to be a thing. Papa Lux and baby Lux. So there's going to be a whole lot going on, especially with that, because I'm going to build a branding and half of the proceeds are going to go to like stuff for baby. So I'm definitely going to be like building merch up. Um, and like I said, musically, I'm going to stop. DJing wise, I'm going to stop. Dirty Lux itself isn't going to stop. The brand is still going to be there. Uh, I just won't be promoting pushing out as much music. I'll still be promoting, promoting other people, helping to curate events and whatnot. I just won't be the person actually performing. I'll be taking a step back from that because performance DJs go to different states, different cities compared to just a regular DJ is just more so homebound. They find a residency and they get paid throughout there based on the bar. That's what I'm going to be doing more so of. I'm going to be stepping away from like the out of state life, out of city life. Of course, unless like a major festival is like, hey, we like your music, come play like Lost Lands. But other than that, I'm going to be at the house. Lost Lands. Other than that, I'm going to be at the house. Yeah. What you said you've been throwing more events with DJ Stilts. Um, what goes into planning and, and running your own event? Um, what, what what makes a good event? What are sort of the steps you go to to host one? So as far as hosting event, it's not as hard as most people think it'd be, but the tedious parts within it are what make it hard. So of course you got to secure the location, secure talent, make sure you have the equipment. And then eventually what it comes down to is how are you going to fund this? Uh, luckily, working with Draft Society, where my event for the 10th, which is today, is going to be at, they're actually paying me to bring other people in so I can afford to bring down people that I know from South Carolina, people that I know from Atlanta even, to come play. I can at least compensate them in some type of gas money. But for the most part, it's, if you're going to do an event, if the payout isn't going to benefit you in a way, why are you going to do the event? So with me and Stilts working together, we get these contracts with different bars. So securing location, identifying your artists. Oh, my bad. Um, but with different locations and securing these bars, you make sure to build a contract, not with the manager of the bar, try and talk to the owner because the owner is going to cut you a better deal nine and 10 times compared to the manager. The manager is there for numbers. The owner is the one that has final say for majority of what goes on in the bar. So if you got an owner that isn't a fan of EDM in the slightest, 
you're trying to throw an EDM event, but the manager says yes, the owner's not going to back it. You're not going to see much out of it. However, if the owner is just a fan of EDM in general or throwing events in general, and you've shown proof, you can bring a crowd, you can supply that intake of funds towards that business, because at the end of the day, it's still a business. If you're showing that, then you get that bigger opportunity of, oh, yeah, I definitely want you to throw an event. That's how we were able to lock down Joe's Underground on a monthly basis so much. They're asking for us to do it twice a month even. But we're also not trying to bombard ourselves with how much work we're doing. That's awesome. We're also not trying to bombard ourselves with how much work we're doing. Okay. Well, uh, one of the other events you've been instrumental with is uh, Rogue Woods, by which you know Emerald Summers presents, and early on Syndicate as well. Um, tell me a little bit about Rogue Woods and, and sort of where that's going. Ah, uh, yes, Rogue Woods. So Rogue Wood is on a huge pause, uh, yeah. and a lot of people have heard that Rogue that was the last Rogue Wood. Rogue Wood is never going to happen. That's not the case. You're hearing it from the source. Because Roguewood was like my baby. I loved everything about Roguewood because of the possibility of it. And with us putting Roguewood GA, that means we can host that anywhere in Georgia. And if we want to branch out, we can do that. And what I do hopefully want to build to, not this year, going into next year. That's why I want my my hiatus is going to end in the summer. Because eventually I want to bring Roguewood back. But... I want to potentially bring it to Augusta because if I can bring it to Augusta, I have bigger land opportunities compared to where it was at before. Uh, my personal perspective of Roguewood was it was crap. It was a S show. It was bad. <laughs> but all I've been hearing as far as reviews were Roguewood was amazing. I had a great time and I'm like, I think it was, I was just too close to it because I saw all the nicks, all the things that we could have tightened up, all the things we could have fixed because I was able to be aware of all of that. I didn't really get to enjoy what was going on, but a lot of other people were like, I had a great time. And that's why we're like, we definitely want to continue this going forward, just in a newer, in a different location, in a bigger location, if I can get it next year. Yeah. And I think the difference in perspective probably comes, you know, you're always your own harshest critic. And so if you're involved in planning the event, you see every little thing that goes wrong and, and you're trying to insulate your audience from that. And it sounds like that that happened. You know, there was a lot of uh, logistical stuff that was going on behind the scenes. But from the perspective of the people showing up at the front gate, uh, you know, they, they came, they had a good time and, and that's what it's all about. So um, I, I'll be excited to see where Roguewood goes next year in 2023. Uh, that kind of brings me to uh, close term uh, coming up, the Base Battlegrounds event. Um, you going head to head with Raiden Rock, another dubstep DJ um, based out of Atlanta. Tell me a little bit about your setup and um, what you're planning for this weekend without giving away too many trade secrets. So uh, for starters, me and Raiden Rock are the original creators of Base Battleground. So this round is everything to us. And it's it's a friendly competition because like 
to even get to this point <laughs> is is just amazing that people are still like willing to put a good foot forward and still like do their part. We've had hiccups in the tournament, but that the fact that people are still watching blows my mind. Like, granted, we're not getting the numbers that, of course, we wanted from Jump, but we're still bringing in a influx of people. We're still increasing our following as a whole for Emerald Summers day by day because of this tournament. And with this matchup, it's going to be interesting. I don't know what Raiden Rock's got in store. I know for me, you're about to hear a lot of stuff y'all never heard me play before. And at the end, I am going to be playing a track I've been producing for the last like six, six seven years almost. And it was like my very first quote-unquote dubstep track ever. And that's how I'm going to be closing out this match. So I'm excited to see what Raiden Rock's packing. It's going to be high high energy sets, 100%. It's going to be a blast. I'm excited to see the outcome. And when it comes down to it, may the best man win, honestly. Okay, well, it's going to be going to be great, and uh, that is at three p.m. two p.m. Eastern, September the eighteenth. So Sunday, September the eighteenth, two p.m. Eastern, on the Emerald Summers Presents Twitch channel. Um, it has been a pleasure, Dirty Lux. Where can people find you online? You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> TikTok, Dirty Lux Four. Instagram, Lord Yeeter Lux or Dirty Lux Music. I'm on SoundCloud like we talked about before. I'm going to be posting probably two more tracks onto there that I've been working on because I've been behind on the releases. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook. Uh, original name, Antion. I do message back. It might be late, but I do reply back if you just want to talk. I'm fairly nice person. I'm kind of funny sometimes. I'm fairly nice person. I'm kind of funny sometimes. All right. Well, well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, and I've, I've enjoyed the conversation and can't wait to see your set on Sunday. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And to all y'all out there, drink your water. Up next, we've got Raiden Rock, and together with Dirty Lux, they are the founders of Base Battleground. So I'm really excited to have him here today. Uh, they're going to be going head to head coming up, and uh, Raiden Rock is a dubstep and space-based producer based out of Atlanta, Georgia. So welcome, Raiden Rock. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, celebrated a little too hard last night, but you know, <laughs> life goes on. We got stuff to do. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad glad you had a good time. How did the show go? Right. Um, the show at Believe Music Hall went extremely well. Uh, I couldn't have been happier with it, uh, especially having everyone there showing support. Like that means a lot. Um, I'm still taking it all in, and it's been a week. <laughs> still riding that high a little bit because um, it's you know it, it was a goal of mine and um, it's just crazy to accomplish that inside of a year of performing so you um, you were playing the main stage at believe music hall is that right yeah yeah um you know 
just because it got bumped up from the wish lounge to the main stage, regardless, I still got to knock out a goal, uh, a goal of mine performing wise. And yeah, I'm not even up to the anniversary point of my first live show. So that was something I was not expecting to happen this early. Uh, but I'm definitely glad that it did. Um, cause it gives me more motivation to keep going and it was well received. And so I'm excited to continue because sometimes you don't always know if that hard work will pay off, um, especially this quickly, but, um, luckily I've had the time to devote to it, to practice and get everything in line for it. So can you, can you backtrack a little bit and tell me how you got to the main stage at Believe? Um, what, what, what were the connections? What were the steps? How, how did you make that happen within a year? Um, I think it was back in February or March. Uh, I think it was just after I released Astral Playground. Um, uh, Frankie said I made a post on Facebook asking for new performers for Believe, and I got tagged a couple of times. And so I messaged him, and he sent me a Google form to fill out. And I did all that. And between doing that performing last week, you know, about six months or whatever it was, and then all the times performing on the patio and just playing everywhere for everybody that I could. <laughs> um, I finally got the, the email saying like, Hey, do you want to open for Zeke beats? I was like, Oh, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is really happening. Hell yeah. I'm going to do that. Um, and then everyone was super hyped that it was Zeke Beats, and like I was hyped for it too. Um, and it it was dope. Like e even meeting him, he is the nicest guy ever. I'm incredibly thankful. It's 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 been surreal. Okay, well, awesome. Walk um, walk us back to the beginning. So that's yeah. that's been your last year. How did you get your start as a DJ and as a producer? Which which one came first? Um, ironically, right before uh, COVID and the lockdown happened, I had decided to buy um, a SX2 and Ableton had a like free, I don't know how many months it was of using, um, you know, their DAW. So I was like, okay, cool. This is a good time to start doing this, teach myself, go through YouTube tutorials. And especially with the pandemic hitting and everything being locked down, like I got a chance to do all of that. Um, but it mainly stems from going to my first and only 360 event and just it hitting me that like in order to fulfill what I need to fulfill, I need to be a producer and DJ because I've been going to these shows for a while now. I'm listening to the music since, you know, 2009 or whatever. And it's definitely a culture that I embrace. It's made me feel like free and forget about stuff and just being there in the moment with the music. And my whole thing is if I can just create that for anybody, like for whether it's a song or a whole set or whatever, um, like that would, that would be success to me is giving people an escape and just okay. forgetting. So about you, stuff. you really self-taught during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did. I did an online lesson with Super Av, with Champa, and um, I got really into Ahi's uh, tutorials on his YouTube channel. I've purchased a couple of his magic racks, um, and I use like a combination of four people's mastering techniques just to get my own sound down. 
Um, it's it's crazy. You just take pieces from here and there. And um, when I first started out, people were like, oh, it's going to take like two years to find your sound. And you know, you just you being a naive beginner, you scoff at it like, ah, no, nah, I got this. Like I've been doing this for a while. I know it actually it does take time to figure all that out and like, ooh, I really like this. And, you know, I know how to make this. So this is, you know, you just get in your own zone. And it's cool doing that versus some people saying like, oh, just mimic what's popular right now, but put your own spin on it. It's like, okay. But the shelf life of all of this music is so short. You have to make something unique. So do you, do you feel like you've, you have a sound now and how would you describe it if you do? Um, I would say, yeah, I have, I have a sound now. I, I would, I would say more so of a style, like this funky wonky, like, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it as like a low screech and like, you can describe beep boop sounds all you want with just weird sounds. <laughs> but, um, there's, de- there's definitely like a noticeable style to it now. Um, but Lux would just des- dirty Lux would describe it as speaker farts at different octaves. and as much as he's trying to you know have a subtle stab at me for that that is incredibly accurate because i was with um a group of people that i go to uh festivals with back home and before lux even told me that one of the guys was like yeah i love it when my speaker farts i was like you know what actually yes i do too it's that low like squelchy just you know and then just that rumbling bass, like it, it just makes your face scrunch up and you do that bass face. You're like, Ooh, what is that? And I've always loved those sounds. So okay. definitely doing my now, own thing with that. You, you actually have a degree in sound design. So had, had, did that help you with developing these sounds and how do you, I guess, where do you start when you're developing those squelchy octave farts that you <laughs> put in your... <laughs> Um, well, like, yeah, my degree is in sound design, but it's from a television and film production standpoint. It's, I mean, it's not necessarily music. Like, yeah, I learned things about, you know, compressing and EQing and da, 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 like all these like little, little tools you can use. But as far as the sound design of dubstep itself or my style, like that's just been, trial and error through different plugins you know i've, I've used serum i i love wavetable it's the stock ableton uh, synth plugin um, a lot of people are fans of vital i think vital's free even but there is this one youtube tutorial i found uh, i forget the name of the guy it's he's like some british dude i think it's like Smilebox or something anyway he has this um serum tutorial that has that squelchy like push pull like real low sound and it's just going through um like the lfos and then the oscillators with like this ben plus minus thing and um automating certain things and it just it really gets that thick mid-range in there um it's just it's just a really cool sound to me um oh sad meal that's that's the guy's name i'll have to provide the link for you yeah how do you spell that um sad meal uh just how it is s-a-d-m-e-a-l pretty sure that's his name okay yeah if you can if you can give me that link i'll include that in the show notes page that'd be awesome for sure um and and your most recent track is shock therapy right uh yeah that's my most recent release 
Okay. All right. Um, talk to me. Uh, I mean, tell me about the development of shock therapy, or if you've got another favorite track that you want to talk about that has a good story, uh, uh, whichever. Um, uh, shock therapy was, it, it, it was a song I'd been sitting on for a while and much like Swan Dive, it's, it's a heavier song, uh, but nothing like too, too crazy. I, I like the lower stuff, but every now and then I need to like <laughs> headbang some stuff out. Uh, but um, shock therapy was heavily inspired by Zed's Dead. I wanted a long, drawn out intro, like slowly building up to like just some like crazy bass. Um, and a lot of that came to me in one night. And it, it's crazy. Like there's times where it takes months to finish the song. Um, but like, shock therapy like i knocked a good half of it out in one night and then did the rest in like a nice little chunk but then it took forever to master the damn thing um because i was still like figuring stuff out and like going back and doing this and that and just the tedious work that's gain staging and like compression at certain places um like with ahi's tutorials like he, he goes through how skrillex does his and there's parts of that that are great but if you've started off with terrible sound design and EQing, when you do like all this super simple stuff, but it's just like layers on layers, it can really bring out like bad noises. And then if you have really good sound design, it can bring it out even better. Um, now, when I what, what you just described, where you were talking about the the gain staging and the compressing and all that, I'm I'm kind of thinking mm -hmm. more like the mixing phase as opposed to the mastering phase. Um, are, are uh, you talking? Are you talking about kind of getting your volume levels right within the channels and making sure all the sounds sit together in the mix or? Right. So uh, basically through these tutorials, like they tell you to have a template set for your tracks and like basically have all your volume faders set. And then you just design out without really changing too much that like you'll do small tweaks here and there. But if you have your template set, you can pretty much just plug and play like anything. Um, and it shortens your, um, sort shortens your work time. It's definitely less clicking around trying to get stuff set. Um, but the, the most recent song that I'm working on, um, had everything set and I put a couple of Ahi magic racks on some synths that I made and it just weirded it out, but it sounds so good and it's so simple. Um, and just songs like shock therapy and swan dive, I've shown people the automation lanes and it looks like someone just took like a crayon and started just drawing everywhere. Like, <laughs> like it, 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 you get those late nights where you're just trying stuff and dragging shit all over the place. You're like, Oh, this sounds cool. Then you go and look at it the next day. You're like, what was I doing? <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're describing it as somebody drawing with a crayon, but are you using the pen tool in Ableton to draw your automation lanes? And yeah, yeah. Um, just, doing different things with like, you know, EQ tricks and pitch. And the cool thing about Ableton now, uh, their most recent one, which is Ableton Live is it 11, I think. Um, yeah, 11. You can pitch bend in the MIDI uh, section of notes. Like you don't have to do it after the fact that like, you can bend it up, down, like however you want. And so like that, that's another way to shorten your, uh, shorten your workflow, just get stuff done quicker. So you're, you're, pitch bending within the midi clip 
Yeah, like just on the note itself, like when you put those notes in and then you you click a separate tab and then you can pitch bend and do all this other stuff like right there. In 10, it was not there. So 11 it is. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Um, so other than uh, Ahi's tutorials, are there any other places that you'd recommend people go if they're interested in learning how to do better dubstep uh, bass type music? Um, Not off top i would say start there like he has so much to go off of and just for different sounds too like he has house stuff in there like weird dubstep like the wubby stuff that you hear like at late night renegade sets like it's it's all in there um and it's it's pretty on point okay awesome Mm -hmm. and then so you you taught yourself how to produce you did a lot of youtube videos you you hold up during the pandemic and then how did you come up with the Raiden Rock DJ persona? Um, well, I, d- <laughs> during the pandemic, I was obsessed with the show Vikings. And uh, like Thor has always been my favorite superhero. And Mortal Kombat was a favorite game of mine as a kid. And, you know, Raiden and Thor are basically the same person, more or less. Um, and the idea of Ragnarok combining with Raiden, like Raiden Rock and the whole thing behind Ragnarok where it's like, you know, the fall of the gods and the dawn of a new and all this other, you know, theological stuff. I was like, Oh yeah, it's kind of cool. Like a new wave of bass producers coming up from teaching themselves over the pandemic. Um, but it, I don't know. It rolls off the tongue. Well, it, no one else has the name Raiden rock. Uh, and I officially got the trademark papers in a couple weeks ago. So it's all solidified. Okay. Very cool. What, mm-hmm. um, so I've, I've heard conflicting opinions on the trademark thing for DJs that, you know, obviously that, that locks it in. It is yours. Nobody else can use it, but that, you know, if you've been using a brand name for a long time, you can prove it on your socials, you know, et cetera, then, you know, somebody would have trouble in court. If you challenged it, it might just be a little more expensive, but, but you felt like it was worth the trouble of going through the trademarking process. Um, yeah, just so like, no one else could touch it like no one else can do anything with it and people are trying to rip stuff off you all the time and if it's trademarked and you have all that legal stuff in place like there's there's not a lot that like they can do at least from my understanding of it um how hard yeah, was I went it at, what's how up? hard was it to do um it costs more money than i thought but it it takes months like i think it's the the total process was like nine months yeah, you because went to an attorney it, for that. Yeah, yeah, and so like it, and depending on how far you want to get it, um, and then all the monitoring stuff, because like you can go through the state, you can go through uh, the U.S. or global, or there's all this other shit. Um, but once I knew it didn't have a problem in the U.S. and I ran the global scan like once, and there was no flags, I was like, cool, I don't got to do that or worry about that. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it came back clean, and it's the only Google search, Google search when you type in Raiden Rock. So <laughs> Good. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, easy that, to that, find. That that SEO piece of it is huge. So that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, great. Um, what what are you? What's coming up for you in the next uh, six months or so? What are you planning, and what are you working on? Besides <clears throat> um, base battleground, which we'll get to in in just a minute. Uh, well, the same day as my matchup with Lux. Um, we have our renegade sets at Imagine, 
Um, and then I'm going to Lost Lands uh, with friends. Uh, hopefully we set up DJ equipment outside of the RVs we're staying at. Um, that'll be dope. That sounds like fun. Um, and then I got this festival coming up uh, in November, November 13th, I believe. No, November 12th. Saturday, November 12th. It's a Spirit Grounds Festival. It's in Washington, Georgia. Um, it's like two hours outside of Atlanta to the east. Okay. Well, that's that's a lot of stuff just in the next 60 days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, as far as six months, uh, nothing solid planned out far ahead. Um, I keep telling myself to chill out on performances and take time to write more. Uh, but I keep getting these opportunities. So it's like, I got to take them and keep the ball rolling. And, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles with it. You just, you got to keep going. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's hard to, to balance that uh, performance versus the producing part of it versus, mm -hmm. you know, I, I see, you know, everybody talks about it's important to mix and master your stuff on different, uh, different sound systems, et cetera. And yet I see a lot of videos of DJs like working on their stuff in a car and, you know, or in a hotel room with just their headphones. And I'm thinking, man, how do, how do they get their mixes to sound so good? So I, I think it might have something to do with having all those things set. And it's just like, all right, well, I know if all these faders are set and I have these plugins on this and da, 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 da like it's going to sound like this. And so maybe you just have that practice and that know how of like, all right, this is how it sounds in these headphones. It's going to sound like this in speakers probably. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking around your studio there. I see um, some acoustic tiles. I see a gig bar. I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about the wrestling belt. Can you tell me, tell me about um, that? Yeah. So that is a replica of the world heavyweight championship uh, that originated in WCW. Then when, once they converged with WWF became WWE, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I was a huge wrestling fan as a kid. And so every time I saw the big gold belt, you know, on, sting or booker t or whoever like my favorite wrestlers i was like yeah like i would always want to wear that like cool and one year my girlfriend got it for me for christmas and so yeah i hung it up on the wall to satisfy my childhood self and it just so happens that uh lux is also a huge wrestling fan so uh, we share that and part of uh coming up with base battleground we we had the idea of just sort of copying and mimicking like wrestling promos to like sort of talk smack. And we've been doing that over social media over the past, like week or week or so. Um, I've seen that. I've seen yeah. that. It's been fun. <laughs> it like, I hope no one's taking it seriously. Cause we, we talked, we're like, all right, let's just, let's do like friendly jabs and like talk mad shit and just, you know, hype it up because, um, you know, that's sort of what we had envisioned for this whole thing was people having fun with it. And, you know, we know not everyone's huge wrestling fans, but uh, when we're <laughs> doing these promos and just talking crap, it's it's actually hilarious. It's fun. I got one more funny one planned um, to post between now and the battle. Um, yeah, it's it, it makes it more fun, um, you know, because this competition is mostly friends. And the purpose of it was to not only have us be more creatively challenged and going up against people and like, yeah, like you shouldn't like compare, or like be better than this person or that, but it's also just good practice and having fun with your friends and, you know, just improving and not being able to play the same song twice or 
every time you advance and then you go up against someone else with a different style, it's just kind of like, oh, let's see, like, if I can play like them or whatever. It, it just makes it more fun, yeah. I think. All right. Well, that that seems like a perfect opportunity to, to ask you, do you have any particular messages for uh, Dirty Lux this weekend? Um, well, I will say that I have been laying clues a little bit as to songs I'm going to play and things I'm going to do. Uh, I don't know if he or anyone has picked up on that. Um, but yeah, I, I'll i say this. We, we all know that Lux brings the heat, and I normally don't. So I got something planned for him for the last, last the second half of the set. It's going to be fun. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I, um, the, the jabs have been fun. I've been enjoying reading that. I, I was really excited about Corgan and uh, Fetty Wub the other week, and it was a shame that uh, Fetty Wub fell through. The cat versus dog thing was, yeah. they were kind of going at each other a little bit, which was, which was cool to see. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was funny too when we were at Roguewood, um, and during Corkin's set, like on on the offbeats, like me and Fetty were meowing, and then like Corkin's friends or whoever it was, family, like I think I don't know if his dad was, someone was there, like they started barking, so like we had this like meow bark thing going like at a show. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> that's awesome. He should absolutely try to keep that keep that going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you know unfortunately like life happens and you know, people you, you can't do things and it sucks because and you look forward to stuff but you know you got to keep going yeah yeah um so going forward where where can people find you online um my instagram and twitter is raiden rock underscore music um my flow page which is basically linktree uh that's on both of those pages um on spotify now Finally, uh, I got one song on there. <laughs> Astral Playground finally made it. Um, and I'll slowly get the other ones out that I can release on Spotify that aren't going to raise copyright flags because I like to put uh, little snippets of my favorite movies in my songs. And I know it's, <laughs> I know that's the catch 22. It's like, oh, you don't have those rights, like blah, blah, blah. But it's, it creates it, it creates the the. I don't know the area, the space, the vibe that I want the song to be in. Um, and movies play a big role in my life. Cause like, that's what I do professionally. Um, and I've always had a passion for that and music. So I'm trying to combine the two in my own way. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you create two versions of the song, one with, without the uh, cleared lyrics and the, mm-hmm. the samples and one with, and that way you can distribute one and then have another that you hold exclusively for shows that your fans can look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, also I'm looking forward to your set and I'm looking forward to hearing you guys go at it. And, uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a rating and review for the podcast on whatever platform you're using. You can find links for both artists on the show notes page at producerlifepodcast.com. Until next time. This is the House Ninja, reminding you to be somebody's hero today.